Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have in as our guests, Kaylee Ariano and Brandon Shindo. They're licensed clinical social workers and the co-founders of KNB Therapy. They specialize in providing culturally sensitive mental health services for young professionals, college students, and people of color. They are also motivated to support other mental health professionals engaged in preventative care for burnout and have developed a unique virtual group. This therapist goes to therapy to provide a space where mental health professionals can also prioritize their wellness. Today, we talk about burnout, specifically in mental health providers, and the important work they do to support those in the field. Welcome, Kaylee and Brandon. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Yes, so excited. So I know you both are part of a group called K and B therapy. I know you do a lot of different types of work in your practice, but one specific type of work that you, you do, I know we're going to focus on today, which is focusing on the mental health needs of clinicians themselves. That is a popular topic and a topic we're so passionate about because at the end of the day, we try to be what we needed when we were starting in the field. Yeah. So I'm curious how this came to be in terms of thinking about this as something that you're passionate about and you provide support for at this point. How did it happen? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to begin with, yes, we are clinicians, but we're also humans, right? We're, you know, we all have mental health. And so really how this came to be, this passion was really, you know, our practice started two years ago, right before the pandemic hit. And I know that for me, I had kind of gotten to a point where I was pretty burnt out, but I didn't know it. I didn't realize that what I was experiencing was really this emotional exhaustion. I thought, why do I not feel as motivated? You know, I'm somebody who is on, you know, and ready to go. And I just found myself feeling drained or getting home and being irritable or not having the energy that I wanted to be able to have when I would get home. And so that's how honestly the practice came about. Brandon and I are coworkers still, but we're coworkers then. And when we, you know, established this practice, we really wanted to give back, not just to each of our communities, right? I'm Latina and Brandon's Asian American, but to also highlight the mental health of providers, right? Because it wasn't until I was done with community mental health that I was slowing down and realized, oh, oh, wait, this is the burnout that everybody is talking about. And I was in it and didn't even realize. So that's how we started to think about how can we provide the support to others? And I wonder if we could talk a bit more about what burnout looks like. Mm -hmm. Brandon, want to go for it? (laughs) No, it's so interesting as we talk about burnout, like we don't question what we think is normal. And so when Kaylee and I were in community mental health, it was go, go, go. We were working extremely long hours and days. And it was almost like this badge of glory and honor that if you can work 12, 14 hours in a day and you know still go home and, and cook for yourself and work out and whatnot. And burnout in some ways was happening, but weren't fully aware of it. And for myself as an individual, a lot of psychosomatic type symptoms, you know, joint pain, back pains, and all of these things. But as we took a step away from community mental health and got to invest more in our self-care and ourselves, we started to see that like, oh, the time that like I had a really bad headache or the time that I was really irritable, that these were symptoms and signs of burnout starting to happen. 
And as we started to really look at and start to develop our private practice, one of the things we noticed, like, hey, we're really motivated here. We had we have this motivation and this drive, right? Like as when we started in the field, but because of burnout and over the years, we started to notice it fade. So I like to think of it as like this hunger was starting to disappear because of burnout. And it wasn't until we were able to recharge ourselves that we were able to recognize like, huh, like this isn't normal. We shouldn't be feeling like this and able to take a step back and then think about how can we help other newer clinicians not only heal from burnout, but also prevent it. Yeah. As you were talking, it made me think this is just, I think most people I talk to on a daily basis suffer from burnout and they just don't realize it. Right. And I think it's first off, you think of it, oh, it's just hard work. You get tired, right. You're, you're helping people. You need to just constantly be on and always giving, right. It's almost like this silent thing. It's like a silent burn, you know, um, where it's happening slowly. And I think that's, what's difficult about pinpointing, right? Because it's an emotional, physical, mental exhaustion when we think about burnout. And so it's not like it happens from one day to another. It's like this slow burn. And I think being able to recognize like, oh, oh yeah, like this is burning a little bit of my emotions here. This is burning a little bit, like physically I'm exhausted and being able to check in on yourself and say, okay, wait, like maybe this is a time where, you know, self-care is important. And I think when we, the group that we did, this therapist goes to therapy, we talk a lot about that, right? Where it's, okay, well, okay, now we know what burnout is, but how do we, how do we do the preventative work? And I think a lot of the times the missing piece is not, you know, we know how to do self-care or coping skills, but it's about being able to know when do you implement it? I often give, say the joke, well, it's not a joke because it happened. I had left work. Um, it was a really long day and I was exhausted. I was exhausted driving home. Of course, LA traffic is always here. So that's not new, right? But that day, I think I was so tired. Somebody cut me off and I remember internally feeling so upset. I was more upset than I usually get. And I remember thinking, just take a deep breath, right? This is what we tell our clients, right? Say, take some deep breaths. It's fine. They're cutting you off, right? And I'm taking these deep breaths. And I remember in that moment thinking, this doesn't work. I can't believe I tell my clients to take deep breaths. This does not work. And then I got home, of course, and I kind of laughed because it wasn't about that coping skill not working. It's that maybe I waited until I was at a red to try to use these breathing techniques. If I would have maybe known to check in on myself before I started driving. When I got off of work, check in. Okay, how am I doing? What was my day like? Let's acknowledge and validate it for a second. Maybe take those deep breaths then. Maybe that person who put me off, it wouldn't have been a big deal because it was a part of my day-to-day anyway. But I think that that's like, that's what we talk about a lot in this group is that, yes, it's important to know the coping skills, but I also think it's highly important to know yourself to learn to monitor yourself so that you know when to implement these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, one question I want to ask, because we could have just done a podcast on general burnout, because it's not just for people in the mental health field. It's not just for medical providers, right? I, I think so many people are experiencing burnout in their lives, right? In their occupations or other things that are required of them during their day. But I guess one question I have for you is how you think about burnout and how it's maybe different or the same for mental health providers versus other occupations? What is it specifically about the mental health field that might be different? 
think there's a few components. I think that when we think of other occupations, the level of like social support or social networks, you know, I come from a family where they're blue collar workers and they work in construction and a lot of their, their customers become their friends and they have this very large support network. For individuals in mental health because of boundaries and because we're dealing with, with emotional well-being and things like that, our support network then becomes very limited in some ways and maybe more so to our colleagues or to our mentors or to our professors. And so just in that way to like always making sure like, do you have a good support network? Because to be honest, like not every work environment is always positive. Some can be toxic, some cannot be so great. And so even more so, you're limited on the pool of individuals that maybe you can depend on or you can lean on. And I think like a second factor of it is that when you're dealing with emotional well-being, like your job as a clinician is to like reinstill hope in people that like they can get better. At a lot of times is like you're doing this work, there comes like this piece where like you almost like maybe unconsciously start to embrace like this hero complex where like people come to you as the expert and you're going to like take it on for them and, and all of these things. But we have our own lives too. And so as we're trying to find the balance between these two, very different because some jobs you do your work at work and you get to go home and switch on. For us, problems exist everywhere, personal life, professional life, and it's very easy for those to get bored. I think it's the emotional piece, really. You know, there's compassion fatigue, right? It's it's like, and I think that that's where for us as clinicians, right, it's the empathy and the holding space. It's such an honor. And at the same time, kind of like Brandon, you mentioned, right? So we can go to, you know, supervisor or colleague and maybe process but I think beyond that, right, it's not like we can go home and say like, oh, hey, this is what happened to my client. You know, there's like this confidentiality piece that we're not able to really address. And so it's almost like we kind of have to hold or find ways to be able to decompress. And I think that piece is very different. Even, you know, in working with young professionals, doctors, nurses, I think it's similar, right? It's like it's a holding space, being on, caring for others, and the fatigue can become so, so real. I work with a lot of therapists, psychologists, and I've known so many over the years. And I think about connections I have with people that I've shared clients with, and we've shared the responsibility of caring for somebody, right? Mm -hmm. And how much more connected I actually feel with those clinicians because we've worked together on something that was maybe hard mm -hmm. or challenging. And in a way, it's like this support supportive environment when you're dealing with something heavy and strong and sad to have someone else as a kind of a partner to help help carry that burden is actually very powerful. And so I just think of the connections I've made over the years and it really is the people that I've shared those hard moments with that I really feel connected with. Absolutely. Yeah, it's important, right? Like to have and it is a different situation, right? When we have we have a team, right? Um, and we're able to kind of collaborate and we all have different strengths or different ways of viewing things. You know, it, it can help us feel like I'm not alone in this, right? Like we have a whole team to support, not just the client, but ourselves, each other. Mm -hmm. And I think about in the private practice world, oftentimes teams don't exist that often and how, how hard and, and alienating that can be. Absolutely. I mean, when we were working in community mental health, we were both supervisors and then the whole team was, I don't know, random, maybe was it anywhere from 10 to 20 people? 
And so we were, we were surrounded by individuals all day, every single day. And so to transition from that to private practice, it was different. I'm so thankful though, that I have Brandon, because I do think that private practice would be very lonely, honestly. And I think beyond that, for the both of us, it's really been being able to do things like this, connect with other people who are in the field so that we can also form friendships. So maybe our team is just us two right now that we can form these other connections and maintain connected. Yeah. I want you to tell me the specifics about your group. I'm so curious. So you have a group for mental health professionals and is there more than one group or is it just one group? I just want to know the specifics. <laughs> So the group that Kayleen had formulated is called The Therapist Goes to Therapy, and it's a 12-week group. It's a closed group, and it's offered to really unlicensed clinicians. It's really so they can be in graduate students, they can be right out of graduate school. And there's a curriculum, a 12-week curriculum that we've developed to talk on things such as like coping skills, setting boundaries, how to give and receive feedback, but also things of like when we're petty, you know, what does pettiness look like when we're in the field and how do we overcome it? And so as we think about this group, each group is about 90 minutes long. And what we do is we really try to provide a lot of psychoeducation, but also like room during every group to really talk about and process through what is it like to be in the helping profession, to be really in this growth phase of your career. And so that we can form connections, we can network with one another and to know that you're not alone through this process. One of my favorite things about the group is we really and probably every other group at the very least, talk about how are we doing within all of our roles, right? Because yes, we have our clinician hat, but maybe you are also a mom. Maybe you are also a son. Maybe you are also a friend, a daughter, a wife, a husband. There's all these other roles that we have besides being a therapist, a clinician, you know, whatever your title is, right? And so we really talk about these different roles and, and support folks and being able to check in on, wait a minute, you know, this week I was doing really great in my mom hat, right? But my clinician hat, not so hot. And so, you know, being able to normalize that and support one another, but also providing a space where we practice giving grace to ourselves as individuals. It's really awesome because I think, yes, there's this 12-week curriculum, but all of the groups have such a different dynamic because there are different individuals with different experiences some more quiet, some more talkative. And so it's been really such a great opportunity for us to see our colleagues as well, essentially, right? Like there are clients in that moment, but these are the people that are coming into the field and it's super, super exciting. And then they connect afterwards, become friends. So this group, like we try to offer it every semester. So typically in the fall and in the spring, depending on the number of individuals who are interested in the group, we've run two groups at the same time each semester in order to kind of fulfill everybody the the need for it. But what we found is that it's so interesting is that we get schools all through Southern California, who we've networked with and most send students through. And what a lot of them, their takeaway of it is like, it's a safe place where people understand the struggle. And they always say like, you know, if I go home and I vent about my day, like people don't truly understand. It takes another clinician to understand what I'm going through. And so creating that safe place and that platform for them, just kind of allowing them to talk about what they're going on in their day and to be validated about it. I'm so healing in the process and so preventative for burnout. Yeah, and it also makes me think about when you go through training to become a mental health clinician, how important your individual therapy is, but you sometimes forget about how important a group therapy setting could be for you. Absolutely. And I think that that's, what's really relieving for many, 
we've had groups where we've had basically just grad students, one of them. And it was really interesting, right? Because they all were, well, yeah, I would say all of them actually were experiencing this sense of, I don't really know what I'm doing, you know, and feeling like I can't really share that. And as one said something, then two, then three, right. And, and then they started to be able to slowly say, okay, wait, it's okay if I don't know everything. And that's, that's actually a whole topic. Uh, this therapist doesn't have all the answers and being able to kind of sit and process, like, what does it feel like when you have a situation and you don't know, what does it feel like? What does it look like? How do we respond? And what are the different things that we can do? How can we navigate and how can we learn from one another? So it's, it's been an awesome experience to be able to provide that space for other clinicians. Right. Also during my residency training at UCLA, and they still have this, it's called process groups. And so it's a group of the people in your cohort who meet together as if it's kind of a a group therapy, but it's, I like what you're doing because people come from very much different backgrounds and different training programs. And so it feels as if maybe they can share differently. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause they're not your cohort, right? These are people from everywhere. So yes. Also go Bruins. I think we're all Bruins here. <laughs> so if someone wants to learn about your 12 week groups, I'm sure they can just go to your website and I'll make sure I have that on the episode description. Yes, they can go onto our website and there's a contact form there so they can reach out. And even if we're not, for example, right now this month, we're not posting a group, but they can be added on the wait list because we will do another group in the fall. Okay. And then the other just question I have for you is if Maybe someone's listening, they're a clinician themselves. They want a little bit more information or resources about burnout and being a clinician. Do you have any good recommendations for someone who might be listening and curious about this? Definitely. So on social media, Kaylee and I are pretty present and we do a lot of little short reels or videos about psychoeducation about burnout, also about imposter syndrome, anxiety, and all these things. So we encourage them to go to our Instagram pages. Mine is my initials, bashendo.lcsw and Kaylee's is Kaylee Talks Therapy. And even through there, like if there are certain questions, always welcome to, you know, reach out to our office and we can provide them with additional resources. But a couple of really good ones that kind of come to mind, what we'll do is we're actually just going to send them to you. They're actually on our resource page on our website where individuals can get some more information. Seems like a good resource. It's all in one place. It sounds like. (laughs) Okay. Another quick question for you. Are you thinking about expanding this to other types of professions? That's a really great question. You know, we, when was, it was a few months ago, we did a presentation on mental health for law students and it was super interesting, right? Because different fields, but we were talking about similar, it was a similar topic, burnout, um, imposter syndrome, anxiety. What is it? What, how do you know? And we realized, you know, there's all these other fields that maybe don't get this type of information and support. So Yeah. I don't know. Any recommendations on fields that you think would be good to expand this to? I think you should start with the law students. I think that sounds good. But (laughs) it also makes me think it's, this isn't, as I mentioned before, this is not specific only to mental health providers, right? I mean, burnout exists everywhere. And it's, I think it's important, obviously, to be in a group with people who have similar experiences, but to be able to create that environment for different types of groups who do different things seems like it could be very helpful in healing. Months ago, Kaylee and I had talked about, you know, maybe tailoring a group toward like social media influencers individuals who are, you know, out in the public and they have a certain, you know, image out there, but on the backside, we don't know. And what are they truly going through? 
And so offering different types of, or similar group, um, just for a different population. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what's to come. (laughs) Yes. We'll definitely let you know. Well, before we say goodbye, I often like to end by asking if there's any last words that you'd like to leave the, the listener with before we say goodbye. I guess for me, I think for any clinician, mental health provider that is listening, my thought is just to check in. How are you really doing? And do you also need support? And being able to recognize that is a beautiful thing. I think when we're when we get to a space where it's like, oh, wait a second, I'm not okay. It can be scary, but I also think it can be so liberating to be able to recognize I'm not okay and I could use some help. And so I guess my final thoughts would be, how are you really doing? Check in on yourself. And if you need any support, you know, we're here. I love that. I think that for myself, it's this, you know, when you're new, a new clinician or new in anything, this hustle culture is often talked about. You need to work hard and all of these things, but self-care and boundaries are part of hustle culture. And that, you know, in order to get to your, your best, that means that we got to preserve a little bit for ourselves. Yeah. I think that might be the best place to leave it. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you both for being on. And I'm so glad to know that this resource is out there for, for clinicians and maybe we'll grow to other groups as well as time goes on. So thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Take care. This has been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.